One thing that caught my attention and the attention of uh, a colleague of mine that I've been working with was the work of Benoit Mandelbrot, uh, Fractal Geometry. And there was a book came out in the early 80s, I think, uh, The Fractal Geometry of Nature. And it was apparent from reading this that this had application to uh, modeling uh, the markets. In fact, Mandelbrot's first paper that he published was on the uh, on the cotton market, and that sort of that introduced the world. That was in compilation uh, by Paul Kuttner called uh, "The Random Character of Stock Market Prices." That really was the beginning of Mandelbrot's career in, in fractal geometry, and and of course, sometime later that we picked up on this, but we could see from this that that it was. Uh, applicable, and of course, some another approach that was also popular at the time was the the Elliott wave. Uh, Robert Prechter had really, you know, developed uh, a reputation by his work in, in that regard. And so, one of the things we were looking at is is the, because the Elliott wave is obviously a, a fractal kind of approach where you have patterns within patterns within patterns. Uh, we thought, well, gee, I wonder if it would be possible to to automate the Elliott wave? Well, the short answer is no. And the, the reason is simply that if you have the kind of restrictive conditions that, that are invoked by the Elliott wave, the market won't cooperate. So you've got to do a lot of, you've got to essentially uh, shoehorn the data into the model. What I found or what I found is that it would be, it was better to shoehorn or, or to devise a model that fit the data. And what came out of that was what what we uh, designated the fractal wave algorithm. And the fractal wave algorithm is essentially a, a method of deconstructing prices into a uh, series of fractal patterns. Of, and once again, they're, they're, it's self-similar across scale, meaning that you have a, a, a short-term pattern that, that uh, can be combined into a longer-term pattern which can be combined in a longer, longer term pattern, et cetera, all of which have the same shape. And in, in fact, the, the basic, the underlying pattern is what we call a zigzag, which is merely the price goes up, the price goes down, and then the price goes up again. Or obvious, there's one in the opposite direction, of course. And you can then put these zigzags together. So if you have an up zigzag, a down zigzag, and followed by an up zigzag, then you have a larger, a larger scale zigzag and then you can take that zigzag and have an up down and up and then you have a larger scale and that's that uh, forms uh, a fractal structure now what is all this good for essentially what what i decided to use it for was be able to mechanically specify uh, turning points in the in the price and the easiest way to think about this is is the dow theory which has uh, you know short-term waves and embedded in longer-term and medium-term, which are embedded in longer-term waves. That is, so if you pick a particular uh, level of the pattern of, of zigzags, you can use those points. That is, you can use the the lows of those zigzags to to draw a trend line through. Or if it's going, if the trend is going down, you can use the highs to draw a trend line through. So this takes us back to the standard Edwards and McGee type of approach. This is essentially what we used as the basis of my trading system, the fractal wave system, which uh, I used to trade. So once this system had been uh, designed, you know, I thought, well, okay, this is 
this is pretty interesting. So it's time to get back uh, into the into the business. And I think through this time, I had never I had always maintained my registration as a uh, as a CTA. So it was easy to get. Uh, back into business, so I formed a uh, a partnership with again some uh, marketing types, and and off we went. So I think the the attraction, the reason I found this my system or the the new approach attractive was, was twofold. One had to do with a, a theoretical basis, meaning that there'd been a ever since the uh, you know the 60s when the whole uh, there'd been this explosion of interest in the. Uh, financial world, especially the academic world, um, the uh, efficient market hypothesis and, and the idea that the markets were random walks and so on and so forth, there'd been an ongoing uh, controversy, shall we say, between the academics and the practitioners about whether it was possible to actually you know, make money in the markets uh, by really any methodology. And of course, the academics uh, were basically, you know, with the exception of Mandelbrot, were, were, took the position that the markets were random. And so it was futile to, to uh, try to figure out a, a system. The, the traders or people out in the financial world, uh, you know, were on the other side of that. And they generally, their, their argument was anecdotal. They could say, well, you know, what about Warren Buffett or what about, some, you know, what about uh, various people who had demonstrated uh, success, but of course that argument was a little bit suspect because uh, you know if you have enough people out there doing something, some people are going to be successful just by chance. You know somebody's going to win the lottery, uh, regardless of, of whether it's whether it's chance. You know, and nobody expects that to be due to due to skill on the part of the. So what what I was interested in was something that was, shall we, you know, shall we say a little bit more convincing? And that's what, again, what Mandelbrot was providing, because Mandelbrot said that if you, if you really, if you analyze the markets, and of course, by, by that time, you know, other people had uh, taken up this, this approach also, you find that the markets, in fact, are not random in the, in the, uh, in the sense of there was normally uh, discussed, but actually uh, had biases. In fact, were, the markets exhibited persistence, which meant that generally that, that if you had trends on almost any time scale, these trends would tend to persist a bit more than you would expect over a pure random walk. And so if you could demonstrate that persistence, which you can, is, is possible using Mandelbrot's mathematics or using the fractal mathematics or, or power law uh, analysis, then you had, in a sense, a theoretical basis, a scientific basis for saying that the market, that it was at least possible, you know, to make money in the markets by some sort of a trend following method. And then, of course, the next step was, was to use that, a, a similar kind of uh, rationale to actually design a trading system. And so that's essentially what, what I did, is, it, is a lot of the work that I was doing was not just a matter of designing a trading system. Uh, it was based upon analysis of the, of, of the markets of quite a few, you know, generally the commodity markets, that indicated that these markets, in fact, exhibited uh, persistence and that you know, there was a reasonable expectation that, you know, trading systems would work. And of course, this applies not just to my particular approach, it applies, I think, to uh, any kind of trading approach. In other words, the fact that, 
you know, say fundamental traders or somebody like Warren Buffett or George Soros or whatever, the fact that they make money in the markets, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is is for the same reason that I can make money in the markets. That is, that these markets exhibits persistence. The fact that their analysis is is different than mine, I think, is is of secondary importance. And the same goes with trading systems. So, so much of the focus when people are evaluating trading systems is on the particular methodology that's being used. 